thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 168 of the Real Life Runners podcast. So your run is cruising along nicely until you feel that dreaded twinge in your side. Subtle at first, but quickly builds to that sharp stabbing pain that we all know as a side stitch. Today we're going to talk about why they happen and what we can do to prevent them and treat them. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right, so I think all of us have had them. We all know the side stitch. I'm actually really excited to put this episode out to our international audience because I'm curious what the side stitch is called around the world. Oh, that's a really good question. So here in America, we know it as the side stitch. It's that stabbing pain that happens right under your rib cage as you're running. So those of you in the UK and Australia and all over the world, because I mean, those are our three biggest countries, US, UK, Australia. Um, but we've got lots of listeners all over the world, which is pretty cool. In over Canada. Lots of lots in Canada, but we've got over 45 countries now yes. um, that we have listeners in, which is pretty incredible. So thank you, first of all, to all of you that are listening in all of your different countries. And we'd like to know. So if you are in our Real Life Runners tribe, you can make a post there and let us know what the side stitch is known as in your country. Or if you're not in our Real Life Runners tribe, um, A, you should join. And B, um, you could just email us, okay? You can, you can email us at podcast at realliferunners.com and let us know because that is a great question. But really join the tribe because yeah. it's a great group of people. And then you can post up what the side stitch or the side cramp or whatever yeah. that thing is that you call it. Let exactly. us know. So, you know, sometimes you might experience this on your normal run. Sometimes it's in a race, which is the absolute worst is when you get them in the race. Yeah, then I call it things that we can't say in the uh, family-rated podcast. Yeah, we'd have to put that little black E for explicit <laughs> on our on our episode, which we just don't want to do. So before we get into today's episode, we just wanted to remind you about our virtual race that we've got going on, or should, I should say coming up at the end of of December slash beginning of January, that weekend of New Year's, okay? So you can either run it December 31st or all the way up through January 3rd. So that Thursday through Sunday um, is the window to run that virtual race. And we have... Um, partnered with the foundation called Girls Gotta Run. They're going to be the benefactors. We're going to be donating part of the proceeds of the race to them um, as they use their programs to empower women in Ethiopia through running education and entrepreneurship programs. It's a fantastic foundation. Um, but we created it, we created this virtual race not only to help other people, that was definitely one of our biggest reasons for doing it, but also to help you because so many of us have just been floundering without a goal this year. And so we wanted to create something, a goal for you to work towards. Yeah. I mean, the race schedule really got flipped upside down and there's been a lot of virtual races and it's like, well, I was going to do this race because it's close, but now I can do almost any race because they're virtual. So here's a shot. Here's a virtual race where you can join the rest of the Real Life Runners tribe and the money's going to a great cause and you can be part of this community. Yeah. And it's also a way for you to support the podcast. Okay. Registration is only 10 bucks during the month of November. Um, and you can also get 10% off all swag. We've got custom medals and various types of shirts. We've got tank tops, long sleeves, short sleeves, whatever you'd like to choose from. 
Um, and if you use the code I Run My Life, you can get 10% off all swag add-ons during the month of November as well. So again, that's only $10 for registration. You're not going to find a race much cheaper than that. So if you want to sign up, we would love for your support. You know, both for the podcast and for the Girls Gotta Run Foundation, and also for yourself, right? Because you are committing to a goal. You're committing to yourself to train for something and then to run it um, at the end of the year here or at the very beginning of next year. Um, So to find out more information, head over to realliferunners.com forward slash race and you'll find out all the information you need to know and there is the link to sign up there as well. Fantastic. All right. right. So we kind of spun into that one off of the dreaded size showing up in a race because this thing shows up in all sorts of different runs, easy runs, workouts, races. It just pops up seemingly out of nowhere. Yeah. And, and we, so today we want to talk about why this happens, what we can do a to prevent it, right? Because nobody wants this. And then God forbid it does actually pop up in a race. What do we do? You know, like how do we actually treat it in the moment? So we're going to get into all of that this episode. So First of all, it's called the side stitch. At least that's what we call it here. Or it can be called a side cramp. And then you found another fun word for it. That's my favorite term for it. The exercise-related transient abdominal pain, also known as ETAP. Ooh, ETAP. ETAP. Exercise-related transient abdominal pain. I think it should actually be called ERTAP because it's exercise-related, but they hyphenate it, so they call it ETAP. Oh, I like ERTAP better, too. Right? ERTAP. Doesn't it sound like a side (laughs) stitch? ERTAP. So there are lots of names for this thing, but they all mean the same thing, okay? We all have experienced this, I'm sure, at some point in time. And if you haven't, also please let us know that because you must be an anomaly because I'm pretty sure that every runner, especially at the very beginning of your running journey, has experienced a side stitch at some point. The survey I found said last year, I forget which running magazine had done it, but it said 70% of the respondents had experienced a side stitch within the, last, within the last year. Oh, okay. Just within the last year. And Did they a, do an ever? No, oh. no, they didn't do it. They didn't have an overall one, but 70% within the last year and a tragic like one third of them within a race. Oh, that's like, the worst. Oh man, ur-tap. Oh, ur-tap. <laughs> So you you know you know the feeling, right? It shows up right under your rib cage and it actually tends to be on the right side more than the left. Like Kevin just found this statistic out. This was kind of surprising to me. I know mine are always on the right for Mine's sure. Mine's always on the right. Yeah. But they didn't, Why is that though? I, they didn't have an answer. And the weirdest thing is it tends to be on the right for older runners. They did not differentiate what older versus younger right. means. But they said younger runners tend to be on the left and older runners tend to be on the right. Did they at least differentiate if they meant like older in age or like an experience level? Age. In age. In okay. age. Um, I'm curious about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm curious what the actual cutoff was. I, I searched for it, but they, there was no follow through. We should on ask that. our cross country team like which side they tend to have. Because they get them all the time. Yeah, they do. But I'm pretty sure that like, just trying to like close my eyes and visualize them in races, they're always grabbing their left side. I our cross country kids? Yeah, I'm never grabbing my left side. No. Just think about them running around the track. They're grabbing the inside of the track. Mm. Yep. I'm always getting it on the right side, but sometimes it gets so bad that it actually starts on the right side and then gradually works its way across like this painful belt that shows up on both sides. Oh, oh that's the worst. I don't know if I've ever had that. Yeah. I may, I may have, but I, th- I feel like I might've been like pregnant. So I just blamed it on the stomach, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but, um, that's, that's 
terrible if it actually just like continues to like wrap around. But you know, usually for most of us, it tends to be that very specific location and it tends to be very sharp. Literally like someone is taking a knife and digging it into your rib cage possibly even twisting a little bit yeah but it's it's pretty it's awful a, it's a very pinpointed thing yeah. like it's not one of those pains where you're just like where is it eh, it's roughly in this area no it's not it's here it's right here right here <laughs> one finger right there right there <laughs> yeah but it's actually one of those kind of awkward painful things that's an actual pinpoint sharp pain that does not require you to stop running I mean, it feels like you want to stop running. Right, but it, you're not doing damage to yourself is what I mean. Like a lot of the times, if, if you're out on a run and suddenly you get a sharp, sharp stabbing pain in most places on your body, mm -hmm. the correct answer is stop what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. But the problem with this is that, you know, if you've ever had this before, that's what you typically would do, I'm guessing, right? Because yes. all of a sudden it's this sharp pain. No, most people are not on the first time that they ever experience this just keep running no right you're gonna be like oh my gosh what is that no because it's very common in in earlier it's more common in newer, in newer runners. runners yeah yeah so the the issue is right and i'm sure everyone can relate to this right it's kind of like subtle at first it starts out to be kind of like an ache and it just quickly builds into that really really sharp pain and so you stop and you walk for a bit but then as soon as you start running again it just pops right back up yeah like yeah. You're like, what the heck? I just walked for three minutes. I feel like I wasted all of that walking time because the cramp is back and I it's it seems to be angrier. <laughs> it seems to be. I have angered it and <laughs> poked it. Um, but actually, that is one of the treatments we're going to talk about um, as we get into that. So what is happening? OK, like let's let's first start off by explaining what exactly is happening when we get that side stitch. Yeah. And what's happening is is generally agreed upon. What causes it is is not. It's yeah, still a kind of a major question mark there. Yeah kind of in a fog but what what's actually happening all right so it's it's your diaphragm your diaphragm is the big muscle underneath your lungs that helps your lungs expand and contract so as you need to expand and contract your lungs your diaphragm does the opposite it contracts and expands to literally work like the billows of your lungs and push them up and down when you get a side stitch your diaphragm's in spasm and not all of it just like part of it is in freaky spasm which is why it shows up on one side or the other okay so why does it actually happen then and this is where the big question mark is right yeah and that's the thing is there's not a lot of clear-cut evidence as to what specifically causes it there's a lot of common things that people point to like oh well every time i do this i get a side stitch and one of the things is why it kind of shows up in races is people aren't breathing in a normal pattern. People get nervous in races and side stitches show up. But one of the biggest things people point to almost every time is food related. Mm -hmm. Like food related, you ate too close, you ate the wrong thing. Something's going on food related that leads to the side stitch. Right. Food or hydration, right? Like if you drink a lot of fluids right before a run, like that's... Um, Typically what we tell our newer runners is that are experiencing side stitches, like don't drink a lot right before you're running because then you just have all this fluid or if you ate really close to running, then it, you still have like all this stuff sitting in your stomach and that tends to bounce when you run because running is like a very jarring motion and your stomach sits right underneath your diaphragm. So if you have a full stomach and it's just constantly like banging into your diaphragm, your diaphragm is already not happy that it's having to work so hard while you're running, right? Especially if you're a newer runner and the muscles literally not strong enough, right? As we 
run, as we get into our running journey, our muscles get sore, right? When we run, we have some soreness after our runs, or if you start strength training, you have some soreness. That's your, those are your muscles getting stronger. And your diaphragm is no different. Your diaphragm is a muscle and that also needs to be strengthened. You don't strengthen it the exact same way, obviously, as like strength training and other things. It kind of gets strengthened um, secondarily, through running right through running and through you know um exercises that increase your breathing rate and that your the depth of your breathing you can do you know very focused breathing types of exercises to help strengthen the diaphragm but most people don't do that most people just expect their diaphragm to get stronger based on the demand that they're putting on it most people actually don't, i wouldn't say expect it to get stronger most people just expect that they should be able to breathe well that's true that you don't really think about your diaphragm as much no like i should be able to take a breath like if i go out and run the thing that should be getting really, really tired is probably my legs. So mm-hmm. how come I can't breathe? And the yeah. answer is, well, that giant muscle kind of makes a dome underneath your lungs. It's mm-hmm. supposed to help your lungs expand and contract is tired. And so you can't actually breathe as much as you want to. You try and take a deep breath and it's not expanding and contracting. It's not doing it fast enough. It's not doing it strong enough, deep enough. And eventually... Yeah, it's doing it. It's just not able to keep up with the demand you're placing on it. Right. Yeah. And eventually it gets annoyed enough that you're still trying <laughs> to put this demand on it that it just freaks out and goes into spasm. It's like, all right, if you're going to keep trying to run... I'm going to spasm and give you a side stitch. There you go. So like we said, eating too close to running can cause those those problems. And the reason for this, not only is the, the stomach full and right under the diaphragm, like I said, but it's also a blood flow issue, okay? Because your body needs enough blood going to working muscles in order for them to work properly, right? It's the same thing with your leg muscles. Like you want to make sure that you have good blood flow to your leg muscles because the blood is what brings the oxygen to those working muscles. Diaphragm is the same thing. It's a working muscle as we're running. So if you aren't getting enough blood flow to your diaphragm because your blood is being diverted to your stomach to digest food, that's not going to go well because number one, it's two different systems. We've got like parasympathetic versus sympathetic nervous systems and we've got, um, you know, your body is trying to digest its food, which is the opposite of the system that needs to work when we are trying to run because that's more of like the fight or flight sympathetic response. So the blood is like confused. Like, what do I do? You know, should I go digest this food or should I supply the blood to this, to the working muscles? Unfortunately, neither of those is a very good choice because if it goes towards, if it leaves the stomach, it will stop digestion. And then you've got this food in your stomach that's just jostling up and down, and that's remarkably uncomfortable. But if the blood stays towards the stomach so that it can keep digesting the food because there's food there, now you don't have enough blood flow towards your diaphragm, which means it's going to get tired even faster, and that leads to a side stitch. Mm -hmm. So all of them are uncomfortable abdominal issues. Right. So that's why we just suggest not eating close to racing or running unless you have a very strong stomach really i mean there this affects runners differently also right when we get more into this when we start talking about like treatments and preventions and things like that but one of the other things besides just eating too close is eating really concentrated sugary foods and drinks Mm -hmm. this has been shown to cause bigger issues than simply drinking water you know one of the like actual it's a absorption issue Mm. that it's the concentration because if you were simply taking in like a sugary beverage that was fine. It was the like highly concentrated processed sugary beverages seemed to be messing with people. Mm. And it was food or beverage. In in 
like a, a study where they had actual runners who were nice experienced runners, sort of regular runners, and they kept giving them water, they could handle a certain level of water. Eventually it just started sloshing inside of them, but it didn't cause a side stitch, it just caused sloshing inside of them when they started giving them the concentrated sugary beverages side stitch. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I feel like that happened to me once in a race. Like I took the Gatorade. You took the Gatorade. Right? Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. I was so mad at myself. Like, and I was, I was running, I forget which race that was, but I took the Gatorade and I had never trained with it. And I, but I was like tired and I was like, well, maybe I should take a little bit of the energy, you know, mm-hmm. the, the energy drink. And I took the Gatorade and it was not a good thing. Right. Cause it was a race. So it was yeah. either super watered down or incredibly overly concentrated because those are the only two options options on the mm. side of the road <laughs> but whatever it was it wasn't a good thing so you know keep note never do anything like that on race day you always want to check it out beforehand mm-hmm. or, or you should always try it out beforehand always to make sure how, how um your body responds to it okay so eating too close to running um super concentrated sugary foods what are some other reasons that this happens okay one of the other ones is, that has been suggested and not really proven but seems like a pretty valid suggestion yeah. to me is overly stretching the ligaments around the diaphragm okay it's a muscle so it's got ligaments to help connect it to all the things around it like literally internal organs and other things it's just held in place there if you're running, because running is kind of a bouncing, jostling motion, so the combination of breathing, trying to breathe and running and everything, it the, the thought here is it strains the ligaments and they kind of freak out and go in a spasm. The... The muscle, not the, muscle the, not the in, ligament. The ligaments get strained yeah. and it causes the muscle to go into spasm. I mean, that makes sense when you think about it because when a muscle does go into spasm or goes into that chronic cycle of tightness, it's because it doesn't feel supported, right? right? So if those ligaments are being stretched or strained, they're not doing as good of a job supporting that muscle. So then the muscle is going to contract to try to stabilize itself. Right. They uh, they haven't proven this exactly. That's why, like we said, a lot of these causes are kind of in... an in, Hypothesis. Yes in a fog but it seems like a pretty valid one Mm -hmm. and a lot of the other ones are sort of a lot of correlation that one seems like a valid actual hypothesis okay another reason that they people suggest is that the shallow breathing can kind of prevent that diaphragm from doing its job correctly right because like kevin said the diaphragm helps the lungs to fully expand. So if you breathe really shallow, your lungs aren't actually expanding as much as they should. And there, therefore, the diaphragm isn't doing it, its full job, right? It's, it's just leading, it's just doing kind of part of its job. And you're just filling up the lungs partially. It's not doing its full job, which can lead to stress and spasm on the diaphragm. Right. It's like trying to do like arm curls. Like everyone's got a visual of like, like a bicep curl. But instead of putting your the weight all the way like down to your side and then curling it up to your shoulder imagine just sort of shaking it just a little bit down at your hip just rapidly tiny little range of motion down at your hip that's what you're doing when you're running breath after breath after breath but never actually taking a deep breath you're not quite hyperventilating you're on the verge but you're not using the muscle the way that it was intended to be used Mm -hmm. and eventually it gets stressed and stressed out muscle causes the spasm yeah so that's another idea um yet another hypothesis basically said that you know when you try to run too fast without a warm-up without kind of letting your body slowly warm up and get into it um, that can cause extra stress on the diaphragm as well so it's kind of like 
a car going from zero to 60 and it doesn't like it. It's not ready for it. So it spasms in protest. Right. And this one shows up all, all over the place. This is why warmups are actually important, especially if you are in a cold environment, if your lungs are not ready for the colder air to come in. Mm. If, you know, if it's really cold outside, you're going to want to put something in front of your mouth so that the air gets a little bit warm before it comes in because your lungs are probably not ready for a deep breath of like, freezing cold air Mm -hmm. they're just not and that causes issues so then you don't take the deep breath then you go back to the last one where you're not breathing fully so you're not letting the diaphragm do its job your form is altered everything's screwed up and eventually your diaphragm freaks out and side stitch there you go all right so what should we do when this happens okay so we just covered some ideas on like why it might be happening but really what do we do right because no one likes this to happen. So what do we do if we're in the middle of a run and this is happening? Um, Number one, I think it's important for us to point out like what you said before is that this is not going to cause long-term damage. And this is one of the things that we pointed out to our new cross-country runners. We're like, you can just run through it. We told them if you stop and walk and you start running again, it's going to come back. So the best thing that you can try to do is just run through it. Believe me, it's hard. We understand that. It hurts. It feels like it's someone is like digging out your rib cage, but it's not actually going to do permanent damage. Yeah, it'll it'll do some lingering issues. Like you'll still feel that side stitch after the race. Like depending on Maybe. how you know how long you fought that side stitch mm-hmm. in the race, you've had that one before. That like you fought it in a race and it was like two three hours removed, and you're like, it's not like it's uncomfortable, but I can still feel something on my mm-hmm. side. It just kind of depends on on how rough that is. But there are some things to try and take care of it in the immediate. And there's a few. Some of them work for some people. Some work for others. So we'll give several options. You want to start with what you like to do? Um, sure, sure. So the first thing that you can do is take your fingertips like and just basically press your hand into the pain. Um, I usually might use my fingertips. You like to use your fists, you, I think you said, right? Like yeah. you kind of use your, your knuckles and your fists. I just take my fingertips and try to dig it into the pain as much as possible. And it does not feel good. It hurts, but it already hurts. So I don't really think it increases the pain. So what I do is I try to push my fingers into it and then I try to breathe really hard out like into my fingers so I kind of try to push my fingers away and then I dig them back in and then I push it out again so I try to do a forceful exhale to kind of push out against my fingers and that sometimes helps it really seems like the physical therapy way of taking care of this is it hurts here (laughs) so we're going to push on the spasm (laughs) to take care of the pain even more because eventually it will go away if you push on the painful spot yeah I mean the, the idea of that you know when you push on a muscle that is spasming this is you know, that's a very interesting, like I never made that connection until right now. Um, That is a way that we do treat a lot of muscle spasms is by pushing on them. And what that does is it basically decreases the blood flow to that area momentarily. And so you're creating this area where there's no blood flow. So it allows the muscle to just relax. Which makes sense because it's not that it, it, I mean, we talked before that you need to have appropriate blood flow to it, but at this point, that muscle is now essentially shaking, Mm -hmm. and so you cut the blood flow off so it can't continue shaking anymore. It just has to go into a calm state Mm because it doesn't have the blood flow to it. So that's, that's your tended option and you see this all the time you'll see people you know running in races running in down the down the road or whatever and they'll just like start pinching at their side and you're like ooh, they got a side stitch mm-hmm. and you see it all the time yeah but i think it's it's more than just pinching it pinching is important but it's also the forceful exhale that i've found in combination work 
tend to work the best for me. Right. You you kind of do the combo, which the four soul breath is is more towards what I like to do because taking my fingers and jamming it under my rib cage as I'm running is really, really painful. So I found a method that works for me without having to do that. And basically I take a super deep breath and then I blow it out. Now I blow it out into like a loose fist, but the other option and the one that's a lot easier to try and explain on a podcast where you can't see what I'm trying to demonstrate here is to purse your lips and essentially blow a raspberry. Like blow out a really deep breath through really tightly closed lips and that like really forceful exhalation works for me. Can you make the sound? There you go. All right. Um, Another thing you could do is raise your arm over your head and then lean slightly away from the side of the stitch. So if you have that side stitch on the right-hand side, you're going to raise your right arm and try to kind of lean toward your left side. Now, that's a little complicated when you're running, but basically what you're trying to do is kind of stretch out that muscle that's in spasm. Now, you have to be careful because sometimes that can actually make it worse because you're trying to stretch a muscle that's currently in spasm, but some people find that it does work for them. You know, there's, you got options. Yeah. <laughs> this is the thing is none of these are going to be the immediate fix that is always going to work for you, That's but there true. are options. And if you try one and it doesn't seem to be working, then there's another option for you. Mm-hmm. All right. One of the other ones is changing your breathing pattern. This one can sometimes work. It seems to be, it depends on what is actually bringing about the spasm in your particular instance. Um, so changing your breathing pattern, trying to actually breathe deeply. You know, if you were breathing really shallow and you suddenly start taking deep, actual belly breaths, that could fix the issue. Um, If you notice that you're always breathing out when your right foot hits the ground, try changing that up and always breathing out when your left foot hits the ground and notice if the spasm just seems to magically disappear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it may. It it may, yeah. Just because you're changing your breathing pattern, like Mm -hmm. you said. Um, Another thing you could do is to take a brief walking break and try one of the previous suggestions. So if you're having a hard time doing one of the things that we just told you to do, um, then try to take a walk and try it then, right? Because sometimes, like we said, these things can be difficult to do while you're running. Um, This works a lot better if you're just out on a casual run versus in a race, right? Because nobody likes to walk in a race. So I think that it really matters when the side stitch shows up, right? Like if you're just out on a run, a walking break's not a big deal, right? You take your walking break, you try to get rid of it, and then you try to keep going. In a race, you don't want to be taking that walking break. No, especially if it's kind of a shorter race. If you're in the middle of a 5K, taking a little walking break in the middle of it. It's going to affect your time. An unplanned walking break (laughs) where you're just going to, you know what, I'm just going to walk for three minutes and see if I can stretch my right arm up over the top and then maybe dig a little bit into my rib cage. That's going to slow you down. Yeah, but But it's important to know, like, don't just walk and expect it to go away. Do the walk in combination with one of the techniques that we just mentioned. Very, very good point. And if the issue is that you ate a sandwich 20 minutes before you headed out the door, maybe you're squeezing the ribcage is not going to help anything at all. Right. And you just kind of got to get through it or decide to cut your run that day. Yes. You know, and then learn from that and don't do it again. Yes. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest things is to start noting these kinds of things. Like these are the, some of the things that we talked to the girls on the cross country team about. Um, 
because I said, okay, well, what did you eat? They're like, oh, coach, I had the worst side stitch. I said, okay, when did it show up? You know, which mile? Like what point of the race did it show up? What did you eat? How close to the race did you eat? Okay, well, I I ate about an hour and a half ahead of time. Okay, well, you need to, like the next race, you need to eat two to two and a half hours, maybe even three hours ahead of time and see if that makes a difference. Because sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. It depends on the runner. But this is what running and racing is all about is putting different things in and as experiments and then learning from them so that you can change it the next time to hopefully improve it. Right. I mean, this is, this is where the, the specifics of how to do, treat a side stitch kind of go to the bigger picture of running is running is a giant experiment mm-hmm. where you get to try and figure out what works for you and what doesn't work for you. So this kind of slides into the big picture of not what do I do to treat the side stitch that I'm currently experiencing, but these keep happening. How do I make them stop? And the biggest one is, is the one that we've already talked about is monitor your eating in combination with running habits. Mm-hmm. Like see what kind of window you're working with. Like, does that side stitch always show up? Are you only eating an hour beforehand? Stretch that time out a little bit and see, see if kind of having a, a greater like window between when you finished eating and when you're running, if that helps most runners tend to need a two to three hour break from food before they can run. Right. So for those of you that run early in the morning, maybe that means you decide to run in a fasted state. Now, this is different depending on what kind of workout you're doing. Like if you're doing a long run or a speed workout, you do want to try to get something into you, but that something can change. You can kind of try to play with what it is that you can take in. Like there are certain things that I know I can take in like a half an hour before I run and I'm totally fine. Whereas there are other things that if I take in, they will cause issues. Issues. And I only learned that from experimentation. So you need to kind of figure out what's going to work for you. And in combination with that, you want to pay attention to when you're getting cramping following certain types of foods, right? Like so carbohydrates are processed faster than protein or fat, so they can clear the stomach much faster. So if you eat an hour ahead of your run and maybe it's a pretty much a a pure carbohydrate meal with maybe a little bit of protein or fat thrown in, your body can process that a lot quicker than if you ate like a very protein or fat dense meal right before you go out and run. This was my biggest issue when I was running in high school is I got side stitches all the time. This is why my pre-race meal to this day is still pure carbs. It's half of a cinnamon raisin bagel with jelly on it. And people are like, oh, don't you want some like peanut butter on that? No, no, I don't. No, protein and fat, I do not want that on my, on my <laughs> you take that away. Give me jelly. Right. But some people, you know, if you look in a textbook, right, like I'm, I'm nutritional, I'm certified in nutrition. Yes. They tell you, you should eat a snack, you know, that consists of about 10 to 15 grams of protein and about 30 to 40 grams of carbohydrates. Like that's the recommended snack, but that wouldn't work for you. No. Or yeah. you, you proved it didn't work for you. I did. And I've over the years been able to increase what I can eat and the closer to a run that I can eat. But the biggest thing that always killed me, always killed me in high school was eggs. Mm. Eggs was a problem every single time. And this was the thing is I could have eggs for breakfast and I would get a side stitch that afternoon. Wow. Eggs were just a problem. Like really? Yeah. Which is why I love eggs for breakfast 
if I've already after your run. if I've already run that day <laughs> is this amazing treat and it goes back to when I was literally 14 years old that if I could get up and run and then have eggs for breakfast that's phenomenal because I couldn't ever have eggs for breakfast if I hadn't run yet on the oh, day oh wow <laughs> I mean because essentially eggs are pure protein, pure protein. And, and fat yeah yeah I mean that's what you got so Okay, going back to your eating or running habits, you want to avoid super sugary foods before or even during a run. Like some people, again, can take these in. Like I know I have some friends that eat Swedish fish and um, Sour Patch Kids. And I mean, obviously when you have the goo, that's pure sugar. Yes, this is an interesting recommendation in combination with training for any sort of very long distance race because all of the like mid-run quote-unquote nutrition, all the little (laughs) goo packs and gel packs and the gummies and the whatever, they're just straight sugar because that's what your body wants at that point in time. So you have to figure out which which ones work for you. Mm -hmm. And it could literally be from one brand to the other of the thing that works for you. You know, before this was a giant industry that I'm sure is worth hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, my old uh, shoe store boss, he used to run marathons. They would open a can of Coke and leave it in the fridge the night before and then take that with them the morning after because then it was a flat can of Coke. That's just straight sugar. Yes, it's completely flat Coke, but that was their sugar. This was pre-Gatorade. Right, right. So that was their sugary beverage. Yeah, I mean, hey, it it works. The carbonation would wreck them. Oh, totally. (laughs) So, you know, not fizzy Coke, which sounds disgusting, but apparently he ran many, many a marathon. I mean, he had completed 104 marathons and many of them fueled by flat Coke. Flat Coke. Oh, there you go. But this is the benefit of practicing that long race nutrition strategy over and over again because like Kevin said maybe you try I don't know I I would like to know if anyone's ever tried flat coke before but you know maybe you try a goo pack and it doesn't work for you so maybe you try the jelly beans or maybe you try the other gummies or those kinds of things um to find out like I found out in a race that I don't like chewing right so (laughs) that was a very important thing that I found out but you know this is also why grabbing that sports drink during the race may not be a good plan for every runner which I also learned during a race on the other hand I think it's the only way that I made it to the finish line of the Chicago Marathon Mm -hmm. on my first marathon is I grabbed a cliff shot at mile 18 it was the cliff shot zone they were just passing them out of whatever flavor and mine happened to be chocolate because it was the first time I was like wait I think I'm in a cliff shot zone I think they're giving away free cliff shots so I grabbed one yeah college student giving away free food this is free food (laughs) how many can I carry um and then from there in every aid station I was taking in Gatorade yeah because I had bonked hard and it was whatever sugar you can give me I need to take in Mm -hmm. and I didn't even care if I was getting a cramp at that point because I needed to get to the finish line because there was a girl waiting at the finish line and it was only going to be impressive if I actually made it there still standing. (laughs) So I was, I was taking in anything that I could at that point. Luckily that girl was me for those of you that weren't sure. (laughs) So, um, okay. So monitor your eating and running habits. Okay. So that's number one. Number two is maintain proper running form. Yes. Your running form is so important with you're breathing, right? Because when you are upright, when you have an upright posture, that's going to allow you to take deeper breaths, which is going to allow your diaphragm and your lungs to expand, which is then going to allow more oxygen to get into your body and then spread out to your working muscles like your diaphragm in the first place. Right. So, I mean, this one's kind of short and sweet and to the point. Don't run hunched over because you can't take a deep breath. Like stand up right now, like whatever you're doing, 
hunch yourself forward and now take try and take a really deep breath. It's just not going to go smoothly mm-hmm. for you. Right. And then push your shoulders back, kind of stand up straight and then try to take a deep breath. It's go- You're going to be much more successful. And that is, a, if that's your issue in, in running and that's the one that prevents the side stitch, I would argue that's one of the easier fixes is it's going to make you faster. It's going to make you a better runner in all things. And if you can also take, get rid of your side stitches, this is winning on all fronts. Winning on all fronts. Okay. Number three, strengthen your abdominal muscles and your core. Okay. So newer runners, like we said, are often more prone to side stitches because you haven't yet built those muscles to kind of help hold everything in place. Like your, your body's just constantly getting stronger. And if you, especially if you don't incorporate core work, like strengthening your abdominal muscles, your back muscles, those things that can kind of help maintain that strong and stable core, then like Kevin said before, the the theories of, you know, the diaphragm moving around too much, the ligaments getting strained, too much demand on this, too much demand on that, those are much more probable, especially in newer runners, because the muscles aren't there to kind of help stabilize and do their job. See, this is where the the thought the theory that the jostling motion of running stretching out and angering the ligaments that then causes the muscle to go into spasm makes sense to me because I know people who are who can cycle and who can swim but every time they try and go for a run they're like I I hate running because I just get a side stitch almost immediately because when you're on a bike you're not getting the jostling motion when you're swimming you're not getting this jostling bouncing up and down impact with the ground Mm -hmm. you're swimming right but they still have strong core muscles massively strong core muscles but do they have the strength that tries to hold everything in place? Mm-hmm. Not like, you know, crazy six pack down the front, but like, I don't know what kind of, I, I don't have the education level that you do, but there's muscles that are got to be holding all of your internal organs just in place. So things just don't jostle around inside. Right. Have you built that up? Because I don't know if there's a great way to build that up other than going out and running, which seems to be why newer runners are more prone to side stitches. Correct. And, and you know, there are things that can help, um, like planks, side planks, correct mountain climbers, <laughs> bridges, like those kinds of things that will help actually help to build up those abdominal muscles and not just like your sick six pack like you said Kevin it's really more like you want to help build up the obliques as well because your obliques are the ones that kind of help to support your rib cage more Um, your rectus abdominis which is your six pack muscle doesn't really do too much to be quite honest with you it kind of <laughs> looks it, cool though. it does look cool but it, and it kind of keeps your internal organs in place but your oblique muscles are really the those are the ones that wrap around they wrap around your rib cage they kind of help everything they're also an accessory breathing muscle so if your diaphragm's not doing its job then your obliques kind of kick in so that would also make sense of why this is happening right we talk about um last week we talked about hip stability and how when one muscle is not doing its job, then the helper muscles kind of kick in to try to do their jobs, and then they get fatigued, and then they spasm, and you can get injured. Same thing here, right? If your diaphragm, which is a, a very large muscle, is not doing its job, you're recruiting other accessory breathing muscles to come in, which, and the obliques is one of them. So it make, would make sense that the side stitch, right where your oblique is, is one of the areas that's going to spasm and give out on you. Right, which is why side planks and all of their variations, and there are... They're my favorite. I mean, there's a myriad of variations of these, but I like that you you read the outline on this one where I put in correctly done mountain climbers, because, <laughs> oh my word, I've seen so many people do mountain climbers where they look, in fact, like a mountain. <laughs> 
you know, because they... They're like in a downward dog It's downward dog. Yeah. It's no longer plank. It's downward dog. So they've actually taken on the, the mountain form themselves and they're just picking <laughs> their feet up and off the ground. But correct mountain climbers where you actually still have to engage your abs, like all of them, like not down the front, like everything has to be held tightly in yeah. place are an amazing exercise for this one. Plus, because the legs are pounding up and down, you, you are forcing the jostling motion correct. well forcing all of your obliques to engage yeah and plank jacks are another good one oh yes yeah, that you can do like when you're in a plank position basically you just hop your feet out to the side and back in like you're doing a jumping jack um but you're in a plank position instead so yes. that's another one that basically forces you to engage your core when done correctly um while still giving you also that jostling motion of trying to stabilize plus it just looks really hardcore <laughs> Which is always fun, right? So you want to make sure that you're building all of those muscles, not just that the rectus abdominals with tons and tons of sit-ups because that's not really going to help you as a runner. You need to strengthen yourself functionally. It's all about functional strength, functional stability. Um, so you want to stress these muscles and strengthen them in the way that they're being used. Right. And then, I mean, if you'd like to build a six-pack, you can do that to hit the beach. But check out a whole lot of like elite level runners mm -hmm. and not a whole lot of them have crazy six pack down the front. Yeah. Not on the distance level. The sprinters will because they, they all like to look like Greek gods, but <laughs> not a lot of your distance runners have crazy abs, but they are incredibly strong functionally. Right. All right. And then the other th thought on this of strengthening the abs, yoga. Yoga is a great way that is a combination of, you know, functional strength, but also breath control. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, even if you do more of a relaxed yoga where you're gently moving in and out of positions, if you do it well focused on controlling your breath, that's an amazing workout to help you take care of not getting side stitches in the future. Right, because yoga also, when done correctly, there's lots of different ways to do yoga. So I, sh I guess I shouldn't say correctly, but the way that I have learned yoga um, from the various teachers that I've had is movement in combination with breath, right? So you want to kind of move in like when you're um, inhaling, you do one movement. When you're exhaling, you do another movement, right? So it's not just like kind of moving through and your breathing is just all over the place. It's it's like this beautiful dance of breathing and movement together. And that is also going to help you when you're running. Like, cause then you do have more breath control when you're running. You can get more of that air in, more oxygen. It helps you teach you how to expand your lungs. Um, obviously you're doing a different thing, but it's all related. So I, I totally agree that yoga is a great way to improve this. Yes, the beautiful dance between movement and breath control. Arguably, running done really well is, in fact, a beautiful dance between movement and breath control. Totally. And in most people, <laughs> I would argue, most runners are out there just like, I'm just trying to get down the road and not pass out. And it's like, well, you don't have to have that mindset. Like, the I think yoga is a great way to, to just realize that this can just be a beautiful act of your body moving and you having control and, and you know, living in the environment around you and that you... You don't have to just be panting the entire time mm -hmm. to be getting a great workout. Right. And that leads us perfectly into our last point, which is slow down and relax. Like Kevin said, you should not be panting and gasping for breath on every single one of your runs. Every run does not need to be a strain. Every run does not, should not, I shouldn't say does not, I should say should not. Everyone should not be all out where you're just out there feeling like you're gasping for air, like you're short of breath. Like that is not enjoyable. I PR'd on Tuesday, but PR on Wednesday. No, no, you aren't. I mean, you might, but by next you Wednesday, you, you aren't right. like, you're definitely going to have some issues. Right. So if you focus 
your breathing on easy runs, that's going to also help you when you're doing those harder workouts or those races, right? Because you start to just get con- more control over your breath. And we've, we've spoken um, recently on breathing, like about diaphragmatic breathing and rhythmic breathing. And those members of our Real Life Runners training team, we've got a whole pillar devoted to running form and breathing. It's pillar number four. So those of you that, that are on our team, if you want more information, you can go check those lessons out in pillar number four um, on breathing and running form. But when you help to focus on your breathing, on those easy runs, on those long runs, that is going to help you tremendously when you are running harder, when you're doing those speed workouts or the longer runs where your diaphragm kind of gets fatigued. Like it's going to be better when you start to focus it on it more regularly. Right. I mean, this goes to the whole idea that running is going to strain your muscles and your diaphragm is one of the muscles that you need to strain so that it can continue to get stronger. So the same reason that running a change of pace run is going to help strengthen your legs, the change of effort run is also going to help strengthen your diaphragm where I'm going to go from running really quickly where I have to be making sure that I'm taking good deep breaths so that I can can get some good oxygen flow and then follow that up with some easy running where it's gentle and the diaphragm can kind of calm down and just take some more relaxed breaths. Mm -hmm where I'm focused on taking normal, relaxed breaths that I'm not doing crazy shallow breathing and jumping back and forth that way, the same way that it helps your legs not feel great at the time, you feel exhausted at the time, <laughs> but that that sort of fatigue, that forced fatigue is going to then lead to benefits long-term. This is why people who have been running for years upon years, besides having a myriad of, of tricks that they're like, oh, I just take these three fingers and I shove them under my rib cage and the stitch goes away in three seconds. They also have built up a, an amazing cardiovascular system that is less prone to getting the stitch in the first place. Right. And it's not just the cardiovascular system, it's the muscular system, like you just said. Um, Strengthening the diaphragm, that's what you're doing. Every time you go out for a run, you are strengthening the diaphragm and interval running can definitely help with that, like you just pointed out. All right, so that's pretty much what we've got for you guys today. So hopefully this has helped you if you have suffered from side stitches. If you know someone that has suffered from side stitches, please feel free to, to share this episode. I mean, do do some good, right? Like press that little button that has like the box with the arrow. You can text message it. You can email it. Like share this with your friend that might need to hear it. Like if you know somebody, especially newer runners that struggle with this and are maybe doubting their running journey and doubting if they're really cut out for this like this Um, is something that can really help them yeah your running friend who definitely has not taken on the i am a runner yet because all they are is i'm a guy who gets side stitches all the time right and i don't like running because it hurts right so hopefully this helps you guys um you kind of understand a little bit of why it's going to be happening what to do when it happens and then how to prevent it from happening again by checking out your your eating habits and how that relates to your running improving your form strengthening your abs and your other muscles around that core area and then just slowing down and relaxing and then maybe throwing some interval running in that can all help to strengthen your diaphragm and prevent this from continuing to happen yeah i mean i i used to suffer brutally from these and over the years they've just kind of diminished yeah i mean and part of that's because you're just you've been strengthening it for all these years of running right so 
that's another thing is patience, right? R- your running is a journey and this too shall pass. This too shall pass. It Excellently will. done. I mean, you know, it, it's some people, sometimes they pop up out of nowhere and you're like, okay, what did I change? What happened? But like you said, like I definitely used to suffer from these a lot more and don't really suffer from them anymore. Thank goodness. But that is due to a lot of the things that we talked about today. Pretty much. So, all right, guys. So share this episode with a friend if you think that someone would benefit from it or you could even share it to your Facebook feed or wherever you like to hang out in social media. And if you haven't signed up yet, head over to realliferunners.com forward slash race to sign up for our virtual race option to help support the podcast and all the content that we are putting out for you guys on a weekly basis. Registration is only $10 and you can get 10% off all swag add-ons with code IRUNMYLIFE. Okay, that is good for the month of November. Um, And again, this virtual race is for that New Year's weekend, okay? So as always, guys, thank you so much for joining us. This has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 168. Now get out there and run your life.